Yeah, for sure. And it's, I just, I'm still blown away. And, and of all the wild things that have happened, the fact that a dude in Will Muschamp who said he didn't even know when the election was a few years ago is now like at a protest and making sure all his players are registered to vote. Like, what a wild time that we live in. Like, and, and you know, that's, and, and he's not under the same scrutiny and doesn't get the same attention to self as Dabo because they haven't had the success. But, I think that's another example of, you know, learning and listening to your players and, and listening to what matters. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, you know, he said, yeah, he was asked about election day and said, you know, I'm worried about practice or whatever it was. Welcome to an ACC podcast. I'm Lauren Brownlow, and there's always some sort of news brewing around Clemson. And <laughs> Lord knows the last few weeks have been busy on the Clemson news front. And um, we've had Grace Rayner on this podcast before. Um, we've had Kelly Gramlich as well from ACC Network. And now uh, I want to have on Matt Connolly from the state who also covers Clemson, um, which apparently in its own right has somehow become you have an agenda against Clemson to some of Clemson fans. <laughs> uh, Matt, hello. Hey, thank you for having me on. Uh, yeah, that's that's the way it works. But I think that's a lot of places. Uh you know, fans get defensive and reporters try to do their job and there's always going to be some disagreements. So that's definitely happened, I think, the last couple of weeks at Clemson. Yeah, and look, we we talked a little bit about Dabo last week when I had on Jasmine Fritz, who's lo- on locally here on the radio and has you know been to some of the protests and, and wanted to talk about some of the various athletic department responses. And we talked about some good and bad and we, we mentioned Dabo. We didn't get into it too, too much. And um, you know, he had a busy week last week. He did. Um, <laughs> it was it was weirdly busy without being all that busy for him because like it, one of the critiques initially was that he didn't say much of anything and that was something I kind of wanted to get into first cuz he did end up releasing the video. I think it was Monday. I, all of my days blur together. It feels like it's been 2 weeks since Same. Monday. Yes. Yeah, it's just it's crazy. But um he did end up finally releasing that video Monday, but the week before, I I think by the Tuesday before, like it was, it had been almost a week since I think even Danny Pierman, you know, his longtime coach had come out and apologized and given some context behind the incident with the racial slur um, with DJ Greenlee, um, where, you know, it was not quite what had been tweeted about apparently. And I think it seems like pretty much all parties agree on that, right? Like that it wasn't, it wasn't really him calling him that it was him repeating the word. He still said he shouldn't have said the word to right. his credit. Uh, but that was more of what that was is saying like we don't say that that word here and actually saying the word right yeah basically I mean I think he was kind of mocking the fact that DJ was saying it and, and had been saying it a lot during the practice and you know and mocking mm-hmm. it kind of said hey we don't need to be saying that anymore too um, and so you know their stories differed a little um, I talked to DJ okay. a, couple, a couple times their stories differed a little as far as you know I think in, in some ways, Dabo was trying to say that uh, Danny Pierman just said, hey, don't say the N-word, which he did. But he kind of said it a couple of times, mocking him doing it as well, um, at least according to DJ. So pretty similar stories. Uh, you know, one thing DJ made clear was that he didn't call him the N-word, which is kind of what the original tweet said. And so, you know, I think they all agreed on that, which was the big thing. But, yeah, I mean, just from talking to DJ, other former players, some of my friends that are athletes at different levels um, and that previous athletes, you know, that's one thing that you can, you just can't say that word under any circumstance. And so I think 
And, D- and Dabo even said that, you know, that's not a word that you can ever yeah. tolerate and you shouldn't say. But yeah, I think for the most part, they agreed on the way it was used and still said it was wrong. Yeah. Even, so the, even I, though it wasn't said Adam necessarily. Right. And there were two sort of interesting parts of that for me. And, and one obviously was, I guess, the way he handled it with the team at the time was sort of working it out internally. And he touched on that a little bit, but I guess maybe that rubbed some of the players the wrong way, because I guess everybody ended up hearing about it, even though it was sort of a private moment between those two. And um, I guess some of them felt like maybe he should have addressed it team wide. Is that, was that sort of the sense you were getting as well? Yeah, definitely. And and just talking with DJ, he said he had talked with Kenya Tuttle, who was the player who put out the tweet, um, their former player put out the tweet. He said, you know, I understood why Kenya did it because it was never really addressed with the team. It was never a situation where we all sat down and talked about it. Um, you know, it, it happened, but it wasn't something that would really everyone kind of got their own closure from and was able to move on from. So I think, you know, that bothered some former players, the fact that it happened, but they never really addressed it in a team setting. It was kind of kept between DJ and, and Coach Pierman. Um, and another thing, you know, that I kind of disagreed a little bit with Dabo on uh, was – he was saying that, you know, they were all really close and Danny Pierman and, and DJ have known each other a long time, which is true. But but DJ did say, you know, it, it affected my relationship with Danny Pierman. It affected my relationship with Davo. And we've we've never really had I've never really had the same relationship with the coaching staff um, was, was what he said to me is that it kind of changed things. He was kind of ready to to finish up. And so, you know, another dynamic to it is his father is on staff and a strength coach and you know, DJ is still around some and, and see some of the coaches at the bowls and talks to them, them and stuff. But I don't get the sense that he's really close with the staff the way he maybe would have been had the incident not taken place. Yeah. And do you think that maybe even if Dabo had handled it from a team wide perspective and just said, hey, we all know this happened. I know you guys are talking about this. And I just wanted to let you know that I've, you know, that Danny has apologized to DJ and that I've told him that the use of that word in any circumstance is not acceptable. And he understands that. Like, do you think that maybe DJ would have felt differently about it? Sure. Um, And, you know, I I think that, you know, that's one thing I want to ask Dabo is do you regret it all? the way that it was handled. Do you regret it all? Um, the way that, you know, you handled it back then, not, not as much now. I mean, I think, you know, it's hard to three years later come out and fire a coach or or punish a coach for something that happened three years ago. But, you know, Dabo put out a statement, but we still haven't really talked to him about just the way he handled it. Does he still stand by the way he handled it or is that something he would change? So that's a question I think that he'll probably answer here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. And I guess what's interesting to me, the other part of it is that after, you know, the whole thing had come to light and then, you know, Coach Pierman had issued his own, you know, reiterated, I guess, or issued a public apology anyway, and just said, it's not acceptable for me to say that. We didn't hear from Dabo until, you know, the following Monday. And obviously, I think it maybe took the fact that he was in the Football Matters shirt over the weekend um, for him to kind of come out and release a video. I I, I guess, do you, did you, do you know Dabo pretty, pretty, pretty well at this point? Like what, why do you think he was sort of staying silent on this for as long as he did about that specific incident anyway? Sure. I think, I think Dabo doesn't like social media, isn't a fan of social media. He's not on social media. And so I think that he's big about, he's kind of, you know, his way works, his way wins games, his way builds men and and leaders and does a good job of developing players and all that kind of stuff. And so I think he's, pretty set in his way and just because someone wants him to do something on social media or someone's calling for him to do something, he's going to, he's going to stick with his method and his ways of doing things. 
And so I think that, you know, it was a question he knew he would be asked at some point, but I don't think he really felt like he needed to come out and address it, um, you know, publicly. I think he just wanted to wait and do it on his own terms. And then when he had that happen, and then you had another former player uh, saying that Dabo used the N-word, telling players not to use it, which other players said wasn't true. Uh, But then you had the Football Matters shirt, and he was getting a lot of heat for that. And just so many incidents were being talked about. The the psych sit-in back in 2016, uh, there was just so much happening that I think finally Dabo I don't think he really wanted to, but I think he just felt like, fine, I'm just going to come out and, and address all these things at once so people can move on. Yeah. Well, what do you sort of make of the Sykes thing, too? Because that was something where, yeah, they, um, Tuttle said that they were discouraged, I think, from participating in it. And with Dabo's explanation, I could kind of see how that could potentially be interpreted that way. But I didn't. I, do you feel like that's. Like, what's your sense? I'm sure you've probably talked to some other players about it, about how that went down. Yeah, and I didn't love Dabo's explanation. Maybe I shouldn't say I didn't love. I just didn't necessarily agree with it still. Like, he he said he kind of talked to the players and told them, hey, if you're going to do this, just make sure that you know that it's going to come out. You know, Clemson football player participates in protest, and, you know, your name's going to be mentioned and all this kind of stuff. It's not going to be the same. It's just if a a normal student does it. but, you know, in my opinion, if you're if you believe in something and that's something you want to take part in, then that's all the more reason to get involved so that you get even more, um, you know, attention to it, attention to the cause that you're fighting for. So in my opinion, I think that's a good thing that, you know, if players were going to say if, if people are going to say, hey, you know, football players were here, the media is going to point that out and it's going to bring even more attention to it. So in my view, I guess I think it's a positive and I can see Dabo's point too, you know, as a coach, you don't want distractions, you don't want all that kind of stuff. So I get it. And I don't think Dabo is different from any other coach. I think most coaches are like that to where you're trying to minimize distractions as much as possible. Uh, but I think that's kind of changing now to where he'd probably have a different mindset if, if protests, right. clearly. I mean, there's a protest happening this weekend that the football team's putting on. So I think, you know, it's clearly changed as far as encouraging players to use their voice more, whereas in the past, maybe they're encouraged to kind of stay out of the limelight. Yeah. What's interesting actually is like Leonard Hamilton was on here locally with us and he wrote um, a really via Andrea Adelson of ESPN. He wrote a really kind of interesting piece just sort of dictated to her about his own experience, you know, growing up here in North Carolina um, during segregation. Like we forget Lenny Ham is pretty old, way older than he looks, but um, and just about how, yeah, seriously. He wrote about how like enough is enough, but he was on the radio here locally, actually. And he he interestingly and, and I think this is worth just mentioning because like he said something kind of similar to Dabo in terms of his players participating in a protest in the sense that like it's a weird dynamic between coaches and players. And I, I understand it to an extent it where they always drop the line of like, I want you to make sure you understand all of what you're talking like all of what this issue right. entails. Right. And I mean. In a way, you could read it as condescending, um, but I also understand that part of it, too, because you are probably going to get more scrutiny if you're putting yourself out there as a player. And so people may question you about the issue. And if you come ac- come across like you don't understand the issue fully, then, you know, it, it could be a problem for you, I guess. But yeah, I and I get that completely. Yeah. I just I just think the players, you know, you just have to be careful with the way you talk to the players and explain things because you don't want players thinking that they're encouraged not to use their voice and not to, that they're kind of their right. rights are being taken away where they're not able to go out and, and exercise their right to protest and, 
stand up for what they believe in. So I think it's just kind of a fine line that coaches try to walk and, and some maybe disagreed with the way Dabo uh, kind of walked the line there. Yeah. And I mean, I, it's, it's on the flip side, I think about, you know, I've mentioned him on this podcast a million times because he's one of my favorite people, James Smith Williams at NC State, who he wasn't protesting necessarily, but he really put his voice and his name out there to some important issues involving, you know, domestic violence and, and sexual assault. And, um, you know, I, I don't know that in that situation, Dave Doran would have been like, oh, well, you really need to make sure you understand these issues before you, right. <laughs> you know, yeah, that, advocate definitely is for part that. of the issue, too, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I think certainly the, the issue and what they're protesting matters as well. Yeah. And, and like you said, an athlete, you know, on the, the flip side of like understanding the issue, I think the it, it can put a very positive light on a movement. And if a player thinks that movement is important, it can help amplify that movement and that cause to have an athlete you know, associated with it. Um, and yeah, you're right. Dabo would probably handle it differently now, as you said, cause he already is, but, um, it's, it is, I could, I could also see how what Dabo said that he said would be read to be discouraging to players. So I do get that part too. Um, and then I guess the most interesting part of that video, cause I actually had to watch the whole thing and write it for my website here um Mm -hmm. sort of sum up what he said about everything so i I sat through all 15 minutes um (laughs) was (laughs) was um his response to the shirt i i think i don't know how it's playing there but that was probably the most i don't know if problematic is the right way of putting it but the 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 part to me that i was the most if i was put off by any part of it it was probably that part um and i don't know how that's sort of playing there it's interesting following things because listening to uh, local radio and seeing uh, tweets from players and former players and and fans and, you know, everyone seemed to love Dabo's statement around here. And, and, you know, I get that, but I also looked some at nationally and and he got a lot of pushback for a lot of it. Um, You know, watching, I spent the next day watching ESPN and Fox sports one, just to see some of the morning shows, what people had to say and get up and, and undisputed and all those shows. Um, and there really weren't a whole lot of people that liked what he said, even after he came out and made a second statement. And I think, you know, part of that is, and, and Dabo says, you know, no matter what I'm going to say, people are going to complain and, and people are going to say negative things about it. And I think that's probably partly true. And that's just what happens when mm-hmm. you're at the top of your sport and, and the, the king of college football, uh, so to speak. But I also think that, you know, the, the football matter shirt, I did understand some of the pushback there. And, and I don't think there was anything intentional. I don't think he went and said, well, you know, these coaches around the country are protesting to wear a Black Lives Matter shirt. So I'm going to go hang out at the pool in my football matter right. shirt. I'll show them. You know, I don't, I don't think it was intentional. But I think that you just have to be careful. You have to, you know, toe deaf was a word I heard a lot um, yeah. about about doing that. And I, and I could understand that in some ways just because – with everything that's going on in the world, with with the Black Lives Matter movement and everything taking place, you just have to be smart and be careful. And I think everything matters. And like I said, I don't I don't think it was intentional, but at the same time, you know, I think maybe coming out and saying, you know, that, that wasn't my intention at all. I'm sorry if I offended anyone. You know, I, I fully support Black Lives Matter. I just happened to grab the shirt and I apologize for offending anyone. Would have probably been a better way to handle it than saying. Right. Like you're attacking me. Yeah. You're exactly right. That was the part that put me off because it's like, I I feel like the the conversation around this has all been about listening, you know, and and hearing, 
when somebody is offended or, or when somebody, you know, when you and, and hearing what they have to say and, and saying like, you know, he could have just said like, look, I, I didn't mean to do it, but like, I see why that could be hurtful and I'm sorry. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like, exactly. And that was the only that was probably the part of it. And then maybe one other that I was just like, huh, that's not. Well- I don't know that you need to turn this into a persecution complex. <laughs> well, even when the video for, or when the picture first came out, all the Clemson fans at first were like, oh, that's fake. That's not real. He wouldn't do that. that yep. you know, that's not a real picture. And so then when the, when it came out that it was real <laughs> and that Dabo kind of talked about it, I think, you know, even they would have to admit maybe that wasn't the best shirt choice because at first they thought that it was such a bad shirt choice that they were yelling that it was surely fake and have been photoshopped or whatever. So I don't, I don't think you could have that initial reaction that it's fake and Photoshop and Dabo wouldn't do that because it was a bad look and then come back later and say, well, everything's fine. He didn't mean anything by it. Um, even though, like I said, I don't think he meant anything by it. I just think you got to be careful yeah. and, and everything matters right now. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't necessarily think he did it with that in mind. But at the same time, it's like, just say my bad. Like, there's nothing wrong <laughs> right. sometimes with just saying sorry. I, you know, I see why you feel that way. And I'm sorry. Like, I didn't do it intentionally. Yeah, like, that was another criticism it. I heard. Yeah, another criticism I heard was just that that entire video. Um, just listening to some national folks that Dabo never really apologized for anything or said that, you know, well, he was sorry if he had offended yeah. anyone and and. You know, some ways it I seemed think, like, yeah, go ahead. I'm go sorry. ahead. Well, it, it seemed to me like almost like he was like, and I know he, I don't think he was doing this intentionally either, but it seemed almost like he was equating the pain, the, the pain that he was feeling at like his program being attacked or whatever he was saying with like the pain he was feeling listening to some of his players talk about their own experiences as black men. And that was like, um, I don't know, Dabo, like, <laughs> yeah, maybe not the best. And, and I will say that. You know, there are a lot of former players that have come out and supported Dabo. New Copkins yesterday said that he was the best coach he'd ever played for as a, or I'm sorry, a few days ago as a person and as a coach. And, you know, I, I think, and one thing I agree with completely is I do think Dabo is a really good guy. I think that he has a really good heart. I think he means well with everything yeah. he does. And so just because, you know, we don't agree with everything he says or criticize some things, um, you know, I think, I think that's okay. And even talking with, players uh, on a zoom call earlier this week they were saying you know Dabo really did a good job of just listening to us and we had some tough conversations and they didn't get into details you know I don't I don't know exactly what those conversations were but they did say that they had some really tough conversations they had some deep conversations um, Darren Rencher who's a, a senior backup running back who's been there four years now said that it was the most impactful meeting he's ever had was a senior meeting that he had at Dabo's house um I guess about a week and a half ago or so. And so, you know, I think Dabo did truly understand that, that there were some people that didn't love his original comments and that didn't love the way the Danny Pierman situation was handled. And he was willing to sit down and talk to people. And you know, Richard said that he had an hour FaceTime conversation with Dabo. Um, Todd Boyd, former quarterback, said that he had a, about an hour talk with Dabo. So I think Dabo maybe isn't doing it as much publicly, but behind the scenes is really doing a good job of talking with his current players and former players and trying to understand maybe if there was some disconnect there, where exactly it was and and how to better go about things moving forward. Yeah. And I I think on the flip side, it's also important for us to remember that like it's good for us to give players their own agency to respond to this in their own way, you know? So like we can look at this from the outside and, and, you know, you can look at this from the outside and be like, Oh, Dabo's, 
XYZ and he's not really understanding and blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, all that really matters is like his relationship with his own players and how they feel about how it's being handled and his former players too. You know, I mean, that's right. They have their own agents. Like they, it's not like Tosh Boyd's afraid of getting in trouble. You know, right. like <laughs> he's he doesn't have and, to get punished by Clemson at this point. Like, <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, some of them, I mean, Christian Wilkins and Todd's both like Todd said the other day, he understood why there was some criticism of Dabo and he thought Dabo kind of brought some of it upon himself. Christian Wilkins said he didn't love everything that Dabo did um, and, and he didn't love the way the pyramid thing was, was handled. But at the same time, I think Dabo's not going to get mad at those guys for saying that kind of stuff or, or doesn't worry about that kind of stuff. I think he's willing to sit down and listen and, and talk with those guys and reach out and say, all right, here's what we could have done better. Here's, you know, here's where I messed up and, and really wants to learn. And then there's obviously the interesting rub of Dabo being, you know, when you are the kind of man that he is and he's very upfront with his with his faith and what he believes in and 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 that it's more he's more than a football coach to these guys in terms of the way he wants to mold them into, you know, young men and that that's an as important a part of his program as anything else. Like that has never been something he shied away from. And so it is a weird sort of juxtaposition and kind of position he finds himself in, I guess, to to be in this moment in time where he's also sort of, um, at least in the video, right? Like kind of shying away from like, well, I'm not a politician and, right. you know, we don't, you know, it's, can you sort of like, what, how do you, that's an interesting line. I feel like he's going to have to walk for maybe some of the foreseeable future. And I can see why some people find that a little bit, I, I, I don't really know what the word is. It's like, well, wait, if you're going to be more than a football coach here, you know, you have to back right. it up that's, with the other stuff. Right. And, and that's been the biggest criticism, I think, is, you know, he was he came out in 2016, I believe it was, and spoke about the Colin Kaepernick situation and about how you know he thought it was a distraction and he didn't agree with the way he was handling things and said, you know, some people that think the world's burning and, and the country's going to heck and just need to move to another country or however he said it. And so, you know, the fact that he came out then and spoke about the Colin Kaepernick situation and said he didn't agree with it um, and thought it was a distraction, I think has, has now caused anytime he talks about any issue or, or says, you know, doesn't go strong towards an issue or kind of sidesteps an issue, the immediate response is, well, in 2016, you all, you were all for talking about Kaepernick. You were all for talking about things then. And, you know, now you're being silent or you, you want to talk about your faith all the time and you know, how important God is and how, um, you know, how, how you're a Christian and all that kind of stuff, but you don't want to come out and talk about other things. And so I think that's been the big issue that a lot of people have had. And so it is tough for him to, you know, I, I think it in some ways I see the criticism and I understand, but I also think that, you know, and, and it is important to point out, he did apologize to his team after the Kaepernick situation and said that he didn't handle that the okay. right way. And so, I, you know, I, I think that just because he spoke about that topic doesn't necessarily mean that every time a topic comes up, he has to feel obligated to, uh, you know, jump right in and, and give his opinion on anything, whether not necessarily race stuff or anything like that. But just, you know, I think a lot of times people look to football coaches, no matter what the issue is and, and ask questions. And so I think in a lot of ways, people feel like he's kind of obligated to just talk about everything now. And, you know, I, I do think, and I said publicly and several times and, and got some pushback for it, that it was important for him to kind of talk about these things and, and come out with the race stuff and all that kind of stuff, the Danny Pierman situation, address those. But I also get from his perspective, you know, not want to feel obligated every time an issue nationally is going on to feel like it's his job to speak up. So 
I'm kind of, I'm kind of walking the fence there, but I kind of can see both sides. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think it's also, I mean, look, this is, you know, we're two white people trying to, you know, <laughs> talk about this in a, in a way that, you know, is not indicative of our own life experiences. But I, I also think part of what's going on right now in our moment in time, I guess, is sort of understanding that like a lot of people are going to be coming at this, um, especially white people from a whole range of, of perspectives and kind of right. um, positions, I guess. And I thought what Bomani Jones had to say about Dabo's own life experience was really interesting. And, and it's kind of made me look at Dabo in a very, in, in, a, in an interesting light that I hadn't really put all the pieces together for yet where he, you know, said for, for Dabo, you know, he, he has never, he doesn't really understand what the, the concept of white privileges because that's not how he grew up, you know, right. like he, he, he grew up in this environment where he was poor and shared a bed with his mother. Cause they, you know, right. and, and, and he had to, he wasn't super athletic, but he had to sort of work really, really, really hard to overcome all of these obstacles that were in his way. Um, you know, and so for him and from what he has seen in his own life, it's not been, you know, it, it hasn't been something that he's experienced as that. And and I think I thought that wasn't him excusing it, but it was also an interesting way of looking at Dabo and, and maybe everybody has their own process. Right. And, and of learning, um, you know, what another race sees and experiences all the time. And, and I can see why. Dabo's learning curve may just be a little bit different than other people's. Yeah. And, and I thought Bamani made a great point as well, as far as like, it's hard for Dabo to imagine people having it worse than he did coming up. And, and you mentioned some of the things that he went through, but you know, it's just hard for Dabo to see, well, look what I did. You know, I relied on my faith and uh, I came from a tough household growing up. I, you know, I had to sleep with my mom in college and all this kind of stuff. Like it's hard to Imagine people having it worse than me, but I just relied on my faith and kept pushing on and now look at me. Um, and so now I think there that's definitely been something that he's kind of had to understand is like there are different challenges. And, and there was even a player yesterday. It might have been Darren Richard. I can't remember for sure. But that was like, you know, Dabo isn't black. He, he hasn't been through some of the things. He doesn't really understand some of the things. And so we've been sharing some of those things with him and, and explaining to him. And he's been open and listening. Uh, you know, I heard. Yeah. Shannon Sharp and, and another former player, um, Harold Coleman, was on a podcast, and they both the point they both made was that you know black people have known about the Bible for for hundreds of years, and yeah. you know, they they they've been reading the Bible, they've been following the Bible, you know they're they've been doing everything that they're supposed to do, and it hasn't really made racism go away, and that you know they need someone who's going to point at the bully and help them, or I'm sorry, who's going to help them fight the bully and stand up to the bully, which is racism in this instance, instead of just pointing at it. And so I think that's another thing that Dabo's learned is like, his players really want him and, and former players. And, uh, you know, a lot of people want him to really stand up and, and fight and really say the, the words, you know, police brutality and racism and, and systemic racism, all those things, instead of just saying, you know, this is an issue, but just forgive and, and have forgiveness and rely on the Bible mm -hmm. really say, Hey, we, we have to make a change and here's how we're going to do it. Yeah. I think, and you're right. Mm -hmm. And that, and, Sh and Shannon is right too. And then also like, there's the whole part of, you know, if, if they'd worked really hard and were able to dig out of poverty when Dabo was a kid, you know, there's neighborhoods they could have moved into that, you know, maybe black people wouldn't have been able to move into right there's just all kinds of, just simply because of the color of their skin and that's that's a layer to white privilege that i think 
somebody like a Dabo, understandably, I think that maybe there's an element there of, of, I don't think Dabo feels this way right now, but there's an element there for others. I think where it feels like that takes away from what they've worked for somehow. Sure. Um, when that's not necessarily, it's, it's not that simple. Few things in life are as simple as we, (laughs) as we think they are. Um, but you know, it's, it's yeah and i think that's an interesting thing to dabo too of just sort of him um you know he and you've said this too during this podcast and like i think it's worth pointing out like dabo is is on a is in a process right now right like he's sitting down and listening and learning and and people can learn and grow and progress like change is possible you know and i think he's he's trying i get the sense anyways and i'm sure his players have said this seemingly that he's he's trying to sort of put in some of that work and really hear you know what they're trying to say yeah i mean so they had the the team meeting with the seniors which lasted several hours it was all the seniors on the team wherever they had that it it got very emotional um you know a lot was discussed and from there they decided they wanted to have a team meeting with the entire team that took place this past week. And so, you know, you've had had those two meetings where a lot of that was Dabo just sitting and listening. Um, you've had, and I, and I think that was part of the issue too at the start was Dabo came out and made a statement after he said that you know, he wanted to sit back for a week and listen. And that was his original statement, which people thought wasn't enough. But anyway, that's getting off track. But, you know, like I mentioned earlier, the several players that have said that they've spent an hour on the phone with Dabo or an hour FaceTiming. And so, you know, I think he's he's reached out and had people reached out to him, and he's been very willing to listen to whoever wants to call him, whether it be former players, current players, um, individual meetings, group meetings, whatever it is. I think he is doing a good job of just really listening right now. And I think he said the first time, like I said, that he that he was listening and paying attention. But I think he's kind of taken that to another level here over the past week, week and a half, as kind of. He's, he's got some criticism and maybe heard from some players, even current, that said, hey, you know, you really do need to listen and learn from us and we can share some more things from you. And so I think he, he's been committed to doing that. I, you know, just listen to so many people that have said they've talked to him. I don't know how he's how he's going about his days and stuff. It just seems like he's, he's spent a lot of <laughs> yeah. times on the phone and, and listening while they're also getting back in and starting football activities this week as well. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, it, it's it's sort of, it's a weird, it's also worth pointing out too. And, and I think that this is important that, and you've, you've touched on it that like to criticize something that he's done or said or not done or said is not say, it's not painting a broad picture of who he is. It's not a black and white, like he's bad or he's good or anything like that. Right. He's human, like every, all of us, you know, and, and to criticize something that he's done or not done is not to say that he's like this fundamentally bad person at all. It's just to say, Hey, maybe you could have done this a little bit differently. Um, and I think that's why he's and, come out so strong, kind of speaking out about it being an attack on his character and, and that kind of stuff is, you know, there are a lot, <laughs> there are a lot of people on social media and even national media members that have really come out and just gone after him really, really hard. And you know, like I mentioned, I, th- I think some of that stuff is unfair. Um, I mean, I, I do think, you know, I, and my, my main takeaway after the weekend, after I, went back and forth and argued with lots of Clemson fans and, and did all this stuff is I was like, you can disagree with someone, but still think that they're a good person and have a good heart. And so that's yeah. kind of my yeah, main yeah. takeaway on how he's kind of handled everything is I've disagreed with some of the things he's done, but I still feel like he's a good person, has a good heart, means well. And, and most importantly right now is committed to learning and trying to make a difference. 
And look, let's be real. Um, it probably would have been the easiest thing he could have done to put out some statement with a cool Clemson graphic behind it that talked about how we're going to fight against racism and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, that would have been, sure. you know, if you're going from the cynical angle, like we've seen that from other programs, right? Where, you know, they don't, and, you know, Jasmine touched on this last week when she was on with me. They don't, t- they don't say the words police brutality. They don't say the words systemic racism, but they put out the statement and everyone's just like, all good. Okay. Yeah. You know, and that probably would have been the easier thing for him to do in in theory, but that's not what he did. So he, he wasn't, uh, he didn't do that. And, um, you know, cause everybody talks about recruiting, right? Like, Oh, well, if you're, you know, if you're a black player, why would you play for somebody that doesn't care about your, about your issues? But I mean, if you're just going to put out some statement about like, we need to love one another equally right. or blah, 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 you know, <laughs> and a Martin Luther King jr. Quote has to be included on those. Um, it seems like, you know, that's, that's what a lot of schools have done is just say racism is bad. Martin Luther King jr. Quote. And so, I think Dabo really wanted to make sure that, you know, he, he did and people didn't love the way he did it, but he did at least speak and take questions and do that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it's been, a, it's been a wild time. I, I, I wondered too, locally, at least how much the fact that like Will Muschamp was out there at a protest <laughs> has impacted this. What yeah. a time, right? And, and that was part of like, you know, the not great look was that Will Muschamp was out at, at a protest and, marching with his players and, uh, you know, out there kind of supporting the whole Black Lives Matter movement while Debo that same weekend or, or the next day was, you know, at the pool wearing his football matter shirt or whatever. And I think that was some of the right. pushback too was like, you know, come on, Debo, use, use your use your brain about those kind of things and, and, you know, just be smart. But, <laughs> you know, we, we've discussed at length kind of how all the uh, – our thoughts on that, I guess. Yeah, for sure. And it's, I just, I'm still blown away. And, and of all the wild things that have happened, the fact that a dude in Will Muschamp who said he didn't even know when the election was a few years ago <laughs> is now like at a protest and making sure all his players are registered to vote. Like what a wild time that we live in. Like, <laughs> and, and, you know, that's, and, and he's not under the same scrutiny and doesn't get the same attention to self as Dabo because they haven't had the success, but I think that's another example of, you know, learning and listening to your players and, and listening to what matters. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, you know, he said, yeah, he was asked about election day and said, you know, I'm worried about practice or whatever it was. I don't he even know when election day is. That's yeah, what he said. That was like, he definitely Dude. wasn't worried about election day. Um, and so, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, he's come a long way. I think a lot of people have come a long way, even, you know, Clemson's building getting renamed today yeah. was something that, um, or I'm sorry, this you know, on, on Friday, uh, the Calhoun Honors College getting renamed. I think it's just, you know, things are happening quickly. I mean, like, uh, Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins went on social media and said, hey, you know, this needs to happen. This is a bad look to have the Honors College named after this. And a couple of days later, you know, <laughs> things are changed. And so I think a lot of a lot is happening around the state, around the the country um, and a lot of it's positive right now. And, and some of the Clemson players even said, this feels different that, you know, I talked to my grandparents yeah. who went through some things and, but this time they've all said that it feels different. So hopefully it is. And, and real changes start, you know, taking place. Yeah. You touched on, there's a protest happening this weekend. That's player led. Can you uh, tell us more about what that's going to entail? Sure. Yeah. So it's going to um, start on campus around six o'clock or so. There's going to be some opening remarks 
Um, the four people who put it on were Darren Richard, who's a backup running back, Cornell Powell, who's a receiver, Trevor Lawrence, who everyone um, yeah. I believe knows who he is, and linebacker Mike Jones. So those four kind of spearheaded and, and got everything together. Um, they're going to protest starting six o'clock Saturday night. They're going to march for two miles and then come back and, and handle or uh, have some closing remarks. So it was all organized by the players, the university helped as far as, you know, get the word out and that kind of stuff. But it was really the players that came up with the plan and how they wanted to do things. And so I think that's important. Uh, Dabo is expected to be there. The president of the school, president Clements is going to be there. And so I think it'll be, you know, a good thing that they're hoping will be a peaceful protest that will also bring about change and continue to make positive steps on the Clemson campus. Yeah. It's, it's great to see that. And it, it does seem like just like everywhere around the country, more and more players are sort of feeling empowered to use their voice and but for, to make positive change and use their reputations on their campuses to make good things happen for themselves and for, for others beyond them. And I think it's, it's awesome to see, and it's great that he's going to be there. And um, it, yeah, I mean, I just thought that was worth mentioning since obviously like you guys for have sure. been talking to them and they've been super active. And so it's not, it's not as if this is like the psych sit in a few years ago, like this is, <laughs> He's, he, thing, he, he's, he's, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to mention one, one thing I thought, and, and first of all, I think it was Mike Jones, the linebacker, who really did um, a good job of kind of getting this first this first thought and, and kind of organizing things a lot. But one thing I thought Trevor Lawrence said that was really interesting is that, you know, there are some people that aren't going to agree with him standing up and, and taking, taking such a big role and trying to fight against racism. And he, you know, spoke up with his tweets um, a couple of weeks ago before Dabo did, it was kind of, kind of one of the first people nationally to in the college football world to really take a stand. And so he said that, you know, there are going to be some people that don't agree with him, but for the people that, that disagree and don't like him doing it, he doesn't want those people as fans and his followers kind of supporting him anyway, which I thought was a pretty powerful statement for a, you know, a quarterback that's 20 years old and, and a sophomore, yeah. that's finished his sophomore year in college. So thought that was worth mentioning as well as just his role and, and how much he's trying to to try to help make a change yeah and again like unintentionally for Trevor like for Trevor to come out and say something as thoughtful and eloquent as he did he didn't mean to but that that unintentionally also yeah, led in the lull made yeah yeah it's like your quarterback's coming out and saying all this where are you <laughs> <Right>. dude like <laughs> you know and, no, that's and true it's great to, it's great to see that from Trevor. I feel like Sam Howell said something similarly recently from Carolina. And, um, you know, I know Marvin Wilson at Florida State has been really using his voice positively. And, you know, athletes athletes are kind of, I think, done with just sort of this isn't Clemson specific, but they're just sort of, I think, done with like the idea of playing into um, and just going along with a system that they know that they play a big role in perpetuating you know in terms of college right. football i mean like they're they're you know and they're not just here to play around anymore like they're going to make sure their voices are heard and that um they're playing for coaches that understand them um and aren't just using them as a means to an end and it's props to them like it's it, it, it does feel different like everybody's saying yeah and it's going to be interesting like clemson very famously has a social media ban during the season where players yeah. don't don't post on Twitter and don't post on Instagram or any social media and are usually pretty silent on those platforms. And it was, you know, it was student brought about, it was student athlete brought about where the players kind of came up with the idea to, to 
not have distractions. Mm-hmm. And I think the coaching staff fully supported it, but it's going to be interested to see if that's, you know, some of us media members have been talking, we think it may be going away now and that they're going to just continue to use their voice and not, not stay quiet anymore. Even once the season starts back, hopefully once the season, hopefully we have football. Fingers <laughs> that's, right, a, that's a whole another discussion. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Thankfully, we won't uh, bog y'all down with that discussion again this week, but um, because Lord knows we've had it um, on this podcast (laughs) before. But yeah, it's it's yeah, it's um, and especially with what's going on in Iowa, too, with like, you know, the fact that I I almost feel like their policy was somehow worse because that seems to have come from the coaches for one to say, like, no social media. And they would they would what they were they were given one pre-approved tweet for a month. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Yeah, that I mean that's that's insane. Although maybe I need that sometimes when I get into it. <laughs> Seriously, I, I need someone to approve my tweets. Uh-uh. But no, I mean yeah, I know, that's right? crazy. And I will point out with Clemson too, like you know there have been so many people from Iowa coming forward, and, and so many players and former players had said that uh, they had an issue with the way they were treated by the strength coach and that stuff. And and really, you know, as I said earlier, I think most of the response from Clemson has been from former players and current players has been overly positive. So I think that's another thing too, is that like, if it was really a huge issue, if people really had a, an issue with the way Dabo was running things and the way he's handled things, you'd see it more publicly, maybe the way it has been with Iowa and, and some of the pushback rather than the uh, overwhelming majority being positive for Dabo. Yeah. And, and Danny, oh, for sure. And like Danny Pierman to, for, to his credit came out and was immediately like, look, I, that word is unacceptable. I should not have said it, even under the circumstances that it was said. I, that was right. unacceptable. Whereas I think the Iowa strength coach was basically like, nope, this isn't true. Like, <laughs> uh, he's doubling yeah. down. Ugh, yeah, what, It's getting what, ugly there. If, if you're going to do that, you better be 100% telling the truth because... I was going to say... This isn't a story you want to try to lie your way out of. It's not going to work. Nope, not at all. So, yeah, it's just... it's it's It's... People need to remember, I think, that not all criticism is equal. Not all situations are equal. Like, you know, it, it's it, criticism is just criticism. It's just we're we're all talking about it, and that's what's going on. And and that's the last thing I kind of wanted to touch on with you um, was that I have noticed that, and one reason I wanted to have you on is because I, you know, I, I think you are a pretty, you know, even keeled guy. You're a pretty balanced person in terms of the way you cover Clemson I think like you said I think you do believe Dabo's a good man but you know you're also if he does something wrong I don't think you're afraid to point out that like hey this maybe wasn't the best look and I've been surprised of like you of all people to be getting some of the pushback that you're getting you know what I mean Um, and I don't know how you've sort of reacted to that and just the weird the kind of the weirdness of um, maybe some of the Clemson fan reaction to what's going on. And I don't want to lump everybody in there. There's some sure. very thoughtful Clemson fans that have been, you know, kind of in the same tone as you like, Hey, I love Dabo and I think he's a great man, but like, it's okay to say this was handled incorrectly. Yeah. I mean, I, I think when Dabo, when you're winning the way Dabo is won and you know, you've had the people that have said the things about Dabo that they have, outside of football and, and you look at his track record as a whole, that there's a lot to love about Dabo. And so I think when people criticize and, you know, say things that are maybe negative about Dabo or about how he handled things and people are going to get mad and say, well, you're ignoring all these positives he's doing and blah, blah, blah. Um, and, and you now my point was just, you know, you have to cover what's going on at the time. And, um, 
you know, as a reporter, you know, at times you're supposed to kind of give your thoughts on things and your opinion and, and report the facts and report, you know, you can throw in some opinion as well. And I think, you know, I wouldn't be doing my job if I completely, or, or I shouldn't say completely, but if I disagreed with some ways Dabo was doing things or, or handling and mm-hmm. didn't point it out that I didn't think it was great. And so, you know, I've, I've gotten a lot of pushback. I've lost a lot of followers um, over the past couple of weeks and had a lot of pushback and a lot of angry comments. Um, but, you know, I think that's just part of the job. You know, people aren't going to always love what you have to say, especially during times like this. And, and, you know, there's so much going on, so much being talked about right now that people aren't always going to agree with you and, and aren't going to love what you say. And they're going to maybe let you know at times. And, you know, it's just like athletes and, and female reporters have to deal with um, guys saying mean stuff to them or whatever. I mean, I, I just think it's part of the the unfortunate yeah. part of the job sometimes is people are going to be upset and, and say things and be mean to you. And you just kind of deal with it and, and try not to let it bother you and move on. There's a weird um, element, I think, among all college sports fans and some NFL and pro, too. But it's definitely very prevalent in college where I feel like they very much want to feel like they're rooting for their team is not only what they want to do because they went to school there and have an attachment to it, but like is like somehow the morally correct decision to make based on like who their players are, who their coach is. And that extra element to things I feel like makes college football fandom definitely its own animal where no my football coach isn't just a coach like he's also this great man and that's not to say that Dabo isn't a a good man I'm just saying like it's a weird deification maybe is the wrong word but there is that element there of like my coach is a good man full stop ergo like nothing you say that's critical of him can be valid and it, it it's just sort of a strange way we've always kind of looked at college sports I feel like yeah, and I think part of it is just, like I mentioned earlier, just dependent on success. I mean, I think, you know, when you've had yeah. the success Dabo has and won the way he has, it, that there are people that are going to – Look, man, no Mark Rick's he, a great dude. Right, <laughs> Mark, right. You know, but, Miami but, fans weren't thrilled with him by the end. Right. I mean, I, I think, yeah, I mean, if, if Clemson would have gone 6-6 six and six last year or 6-7 you know, and seven and lost the belt ball or something, fans wouldn't be quite as quick to defend him. But I think there are some people that just – it doesn't matter what Dabo does, they're going to – find a way to say, you know, well, you know, this was fine or this, this, whatever, you know, y'all know what he was trying to say. Um, so, you know, I think that's just kind of the way it is. Um, unfortunately, I mean, it's kind of like the same with like fans that think that, you know, recruits go to their school because they love, love the university and love the coaching staff and, and all that kind of stuff and love the campus and, they go to a different school, then it's because they paid them $200,000 or whatever. I mean, I think, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you, can, you can justify things in your own way, however you want to justify and, and try to find, you know, it, it's interesting. I mean, if Clemson fans were, if Will Muschamp maybe would have done things the way Dabo did, I'm sure Clemson fans would be crushing, yeah. <laughs> crushing Will Muschamp. Some of them would be. And so I think that's just the reality of it is when, when it's your school, when you're a big fan and, and kind of, really follow the school and support the school and, and all that kind of stuff, have so many connections to it, then you're going to look through it with your lens. Whereas if it happens somewhere else, you're going to look through it with a different lens. And, and our job as reporters is to look through it with the neutral lens and not, you're not with a positive view, not with a negative view, just kind of just look at it uh, neutrally and, and kind of the way you see things. So that's what I've tried to do. Um, I, I, you know, I'm sure I've said 
things that people disagree with and that may be wrong, but just try to look at things neutrally and, and try to give my perspective on things. Yeah, for lack of a better way of phrasing it, and obviously this happens in, in, in way more serious not that this isn't serious, but like way more serious situations than like what happened, like what went down with Dabo necessarily, but like the fanification of like issues that are about morality and right and wrong and like, you know, sexual assault and like domestic violence right. and like it, 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 it happens in college. I, that's something I try to fight every single freaking day is like, no, 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 like no South Carolina fan. You don't get to say typical Clemson racist or whatever it is you right. want to say. Like, you know, it, you don't get to f- make this a, a rivalry issue because this is a bigger, like, this is not a rivalry issue. Like, you don't get to chant about this at your next game. Like, right. this is this is not what this is. This is way bigger than like than 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 a rivalry. Like, this is not what this is, and it, yeah, it's and disturbing still how that that's a thing. Well, I've seen you know I've seen people try to make this political and make it about schools and all this kind of stuff, and really I think it's just about right. you know trying to fight against, you know, everybody versus racist is, is one of the things that's been going around. And I think that's kind of my view on things is just like, yeah, this is, this is a problem that's out there in the world. This is a problem. It doesn't matter, you know, what color you are, what your team you root for, any of that kind of stuff. This is something that everyone should be fighting for and be passionate about is trying to stop racism. And so, yeah, try to try to say who's doing it better and all that kind of stuff. You can get down a sticky slide, but I, or a sticky, uh, situation but i think just everyone everyone should all come together and try to you know try to try to get this to end instead of trying yeah, to I divide mean, it's people kind of, right it, it's kind of a sidebar a little bit but i can get you out of here in a very shortly but uh i i joined this facebook group here locally that is calling out local businesses that their owners unabashedly on facebook are like posting extremely racist things in this time mm-hmm. because I want to make sure I'm supporting businesses that aren't doing that um, or at right. least not supporting businesses that do. And right. it's been re- a really eye-opening experience to me as someone who I do think I, I, I have a, a, a decent idea, not not remotely comprehensive, but a decent idea of what um, of, of what black people go through as much as a white person can, right? But like in that group, you see people that list that they're nurses in their bio or that they're teachers or that, you know what I mean? And it's like, it's, it's really, that's really opened my eyes in the past week or so of like, these are people that black people have to interact with every single day. Sure. And and they're like using the N word on their Facebook page with their employer attached to it. It's, it's, it's just really eye opening. Um, And I think we can all take some time and like, like it, it, it seems that Dabo is doing and, and all of us, every single one of us, everybody in your mentions, everybody everywhere could just take some time to sort of look and listen and open up our eyes and try to get a sense of what people experience that don't look like us. Um, uh, Cause you know, if, if I told, you know, if a black person's listening to this, they're probably like, yeah, we know that there are people in healthcare that are racist and we have had racist teachers. But like, to me, it's just like, wait, what? That's so wrong. How can right. that person be that way? <laughs> like, cause that's not a thing that we've ever had to deal with. And just, so yeah, I think we can all stand to do a little bit more listening and learning and um, trying to, like you said, everybody against racist, man. Like, that's what this is. Let's harness some of this college football energy into that. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, well, and I was just gonna say, Mike Jones is uh, the Clemson linebacker I was speaking about earlier. He was saying that you uh-huh. know, he, he had a conversation with Brent Venables about everything and, and kind of his feelings on things. And he said he, he got really emotional talking with Venables because 
Mike said that he had a, a family member that went through police brutality and kind of, um, and I, and I don't know the specifics and as far as like what exactly happened, but just kind of being uh, stereotyped by police and having to deal with, with that kind of stuff. And just because it was one of his family members who was black, who wasn't doing anything wrong. And so I think, you know, just hearing the stories and, and when you see on social media, the videos and all these things that are happening around the country, it, it's, eye-opening that, you know, people that, that you never would have known or would have expected, um, like you mentioned, teachers yeah. and, and, you know, nurses and that kind of stuff that it happens in all walks of life, unfortunately. And so, you know, hopefully, like we mentioned earlier, hopefully this really is a time for change and, and things are really going to start getting better. Oh, that was the one thing real quick before I wanted, not to go too left turn on you, but, um, Justin Ross it came out last week's football careers over, um, Really, well, not obviously, really sad. Oh, not necessarily over. Okay, maybe I, re- I read that wrong then. Okay. okay, yeah. So, so he's having he's so, and that's that's another thing I was thinking about earlier as we were talking about everything is like Clemson's best receiver and a potential top ten pick, and you know one of their best players on offense is out for the year. You know, it's not even. I mean, I, I just feel like people kind of glossed over it in some ways just because there's so much else going on. But um, but yeah, so he had. He had a procedure done in like his neck and back area um, that they're hoping is going to make it so he can play again. But is he's going to miss this season for sure. There's a chance that he'll be – they're hoping that he'll be back by 2021, whether it be to okay. play at Clemson or to, or to turn pro. So career not for sure over. But, yeah, that was – that will kind of mention that at the same time as, as he spoke for the first time about um, you know racism and that kind of stuff. And it in some ways it got kind of glossed over even – as big as the news was that he was going to be for sure out for the year and kind of his football future was up in the air. So that that's kind of what we know at this point. Does that, I mean, how big an impact does that have in terms of national title college football playoff again, assuming all of those things happen? Sure. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's huge. I mean, I, he, you know, he was, he and T Higgins the last two years have been their best two receivers. Uh, his freshman year, Justin's freshman year in the playoff is when, yeah, he, against Notre Dame and Alabama, he had 100 yards, over 100 yards against both of those teams, and really was one of the best players on the field. So, you know, he last year he led Clemson in catches. I mean, he he was expected to move into that number one role next year and be a huge part of the offense. And so, you know, it's definitely a big loss. Uh, they got some some younger guys they're going to count on, and Amari Rodgers and Cornell Power are, are seniors that are older guys that have been around a while. But Cornell really hasn't played a big role, so. He's going to need to step up. And then Joseph Vengata and Frank Gladson are a couple of younger guys that were freshmen last year that, that played some but didn't have huge numbers. So so those are kind of the four that will be the main receivers going into this year. Um, but, yeah, losing Justin is huge. He was a, he was definitely a guy that could break a game open. Well, at least their quarterback's pretty good. So Yeah, he's not bad. <laughs> he's, he's and as bad. he said, he's, he, he said he's tapping into a new level this year. So I don't know exactly what that means, but – We'll um, see if there's a, another, a number, another level we can go to. A number of my Clemson follower friends have uh, re- reached out to me privately to share that uh, Trevor has been putting his hair in a bun and a ponytail. Um, <laughs> that is, yeah, he discussed that on uh, on Kelly Gramlick and Qualk, uh, Qualk's show on WCCP mm-hmm. yesterday that he, his hair got pretty long and he didn't cut it for a couple months. And so he had it in a bun some and in a ponytail and stuff. So. 
Yeah, his, I continue his, to, to despise him for how perfect his hair looks, no matter what he was just doing. Yeah, when my hair grows out, I, you know, I didn't have a haircut for a few months, and I had like a weird looking afro and hair poofing out all over the place. But mine, mine, mine didn't quite flow as naturally as his, his did. I'm also losing my hair because I'm getting older and have two kids <laughs> that are driving me crazy at times. So anyway, that's a whole nother discussion as well. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> I've dyed my hair purple and now I can't get it out. So it's, it's where we're at. Yeah. I, I, I haven't gone purple yet. Mine's just great. But. Well, cautionary tale here, people. Just make sure that it's a shade that works for your head. Um, <laughs> the first purple shade I did did work for my head. Second one, not so much. And yeah, <laughs> semi-permanent doesn't mean it comes out easy. So, um, all right. <laughs> I'll get y'all out of here on this. Uh, Matt, thanks so much. Tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, so at Matt at the state on Twitter and thestate.com um, for all my work. We've got stories from Dabo, like I said, over the past couple of weeks. And then we'll be out at the protest tomorrow for the first event that's really happened um, regarding Clemson and in-person kind of event in several months so we'll be out there for that as well and uh, whatever you do don't read Matt's mentions um, <laughs> <laughs> alright um, until next week everybody bye <laughs>